Welcome to the Patiobooks.com presentation of Murder at Avedon Hill. Written and performed by P.G. Holyfield. Previously on Murder at Avedon Hill. just know that the housemistress has always been a plat, and that they always come to Avedon Hill from the west. It's like they have a contest for all the plat girls wherever they come from, and the winner gets to be the next housemistress. I ran back downstairs and checked several rooms before discovering Lord Avedon in the courtyard. I found him at Greta's side, holding her hand. He was crying. These tunnels are as old as the manor itself. They lead to the Avedon family plot now, but at one time they may have served other purposes. All I know is how to get from the tree to the underground cemetery. What else is down here, you'd have to ask the Avedons. Gloria Platt, I presume. I am so sorry for your and Avedon Hill's loss. This is the second Avedon family mausoleum. It has room for at least 70 tombs. Its last addition was our deceased Lady Avedon. God rest her soul, Miss Gloria. A wild look crossed Kel's face. Arguments? She was killed by a demon, Samonk. You should be scouring the countryside searching for the vampire that did this, not asking us about meetings and arguments. She shooed the men away with her hands. You have something more important you need to do right now. Kel will take you in and show you Greta's tomb. The height of the coffin's top edge was such that he had to climb to the tips of his toes in order to see within. Aaron gasped and immediately pulled his head back, momentarily losing his balance. He secured himself and called Aramis over. So, what have we... Aramis stopped in mid-question. Oh, I see... Well, it seems that murder is not the only crime being committed in Avedon Hill. We are sorry to have to be the ones to tell you this, Gloria. Your daughter's coffin is empty. Chapter 10. The Investigation Begins. Iberian will continue to push back the boundaries, the walls that separate us from the forbidden knowledge of Aj. At the end, only he and Colin will be left standing, but it may not be enough to save the Age of Man. The Third Collected Prophecies of Iberian. Book 3. Chapter 3. 
Aramis Cragen left Kel and Aaron while they revived Gloria Platt, walking towards the oldest of the three mausoleums. He studied the high ceiling of the cavern, still amazed at the amount of light the glow rocks produced. Aramis pulled out his notebook and began to write. Aramis then took out a small parchment that Constable Lewis had handed to him in the courtyard. Aramis unfolded it and began reading. Lewis had cataloged the names of everyone he had interviewed in town about the murder and listed their whereabouts the night of Greta's murder, or at least what they had told him. After folding the parchment and placing it in a flap inside his notebook, Aramis walked back over to the group. Gloria Platt was now awake and even standing. She still shook visibly, but her face was now set with determination and anger. Aramis Cragen. Yes, Miss Platt. Vampires or no? The Walking Dead. Kel began wailing in the background about the Walking Dead, which Gloria Platt ignored. I want my daughter laid to rest in this hallowed ground. Find her killer, but more importantly, find Greta and bring her back to me, please. You have my word. Where will I be able to visit you when we have further need to talk? I will be at my daughter Greta's house, my old house. It's just west of the Circle. The Circle? Where the baker, butcher, and homes of all the manor help are. It was where the first homes were built in Avedon Hill, before the manor was even constructed. We call it the Circle. Aramis nodded, remembering how the road branched off at the center of town and wound its way to each side of the butcher shop. Thank you, Miss Platt. Aaron, we, we need to go. We need to backtrack to the mansion. Gloria shook her hands. No, no, no. We'll go this way. She pointed to a tunnel entrance, opposite where they had entered the huge cavern. Lady Platt, we shouldn't do that. Gloria waved him off. I need you to help me to my house, Kel. I cannot climb the ladder alone. And I need these gentlemen to get to their work as quickly as possible. Let's go. She took Kel by the arm, and they walked towards the far end of the cavern. Aramis held Aaron back for a moment so the two others could walk ahead of them. At one point, Aramis saw Gloria whisper to Kel for a moment. He then patted her on the arm and said nothing more as they entered a wide passage. The passage seemed to end around ten feet later, until Kel touched one of the stones on the side wall. There was a click, and then Kel moved forward and pushed on a door that was made of the stones of the tunnel wall. It opened to reveal a smaller, smooth tunnel beyond. Aaron leaned over to whisper into Aramis's ear. Interesting display back there. Aramis took a moment to assess their direction as best he could underground. Did you notice anything that would lead you to believe Mother Platt faked her fainting spell? No. Hmm. Keep an eye out for any branching passages. We need to gather as much information as we can. I believe you might be right about exploring these tunnels. Aaron sighed. His still-burning torch was needed again as the passage did not have any of the glow rocks seen in the main cavern. They walked for a long time, longer than it had taken to reach the cemetery. They passed several side passages until they reached a ladder. The ladder ended abruptly at the ceiling of the tunnel. Cal climbed up and pushed on three different points of the ceiling. After this, Cal pushed on the rocks above him and the door opened. Aaron helped Gloria Platt up the ladder as best he could as her dress was not made for climbing. A short time later, the four of them stood in a meadow, 
Aramis recognized the area was just north of the Avedon stables. He could see the road from earlier that morning, and beyond that he could see the Temple of Aj they had visited as well. The sun still shined brightly, although more than half the day was now gone. When Kel lowered the door that covered the opening in the ladder, Aramis could not see the seal at all. The sod covering the secret door meshed perfectly with the rest of the meadow. Apparently, Kel was very good at his job as groundskeeper for Lord Avedon. Aaron whispered, Well, this is certainly proof that someone might have gotten into the manor without being seen by the guards. Aramis spoke once more to Gloria Platt, assuring her they would get back to her with information as soon as they could. He then asked Kel to tell Lord Avedon, and no one else, of Greta's empty coffin. They left them as Kel began walking Gloria to her daughter's home. Aaron asked, Where to now, Master? At one point in time, Aramis had disliked it when Aaron referred to him as Master, even though it was the proper title for a student to use with a member of the Aaronic Order. Aaron Perti was a member of the royal family of Yu, a family Aramis had loved more than his own. To hear himself called Master by one of its members did not feel right to the monk. But the bond between Aramis and Aaron had grown strong over the past half year, and the term was not only appropriate, but also received in the manner in which it was given. Aramis saw activity inside the large barn. Maybe we will get to meet our first Avedon child while we're at it. It turned out Aramis and Aaron could have met John Avedon earlier that day. When they had walked by the stables earlier that morning, John Avedon was the young man that had waved to them while brushing one of his horses. Sir Craig and I assume. John bowed deeply to the monk. Word travels fast here. John smiled. Yes, sir. One of the constables stopped here to let me know what was going on, probably before you finished meeting with Father. I see Lady Gloria finally came up for air. John had been brushing another of his horses. John turned the horse over to another young man, just slightly older than John teenager by the name of Shane. Aramis chose to tell John about the mausoleum, even though he had just told Kel not to tell anyone other than Lord Avedon. Aramis wanted to gauge the young Avedon's reaction. There was little reason for her to stay at the cemetery. It seems someone has removed Greta's body from her coffin. John's eyes widened. Really? Or she has risen from the dead, if you believe what some will say. Vampires? I... I don't think so. John's eyes darted from side to side as he stammered. Aramis could tell that John was mature for his age, but he was still a child. Aramis had wanted to off-balance the boy, but not to unnerve him completely. Aramis also heard the threat of Lord Avedon in the back of his mind. Do not worry, young John. I do not believe your former housemistress has risen from the dead. We just want to find out who sent her there in the first place. Can we ask you a couple of questions? Yes, of course. Did you know anyone that Greta had problems with? At all? Anyone she didn't like to meet with, or argued with, or disliked? Everyone liked Miss Greta. She was a great housemistress. I'm sure she was, but someone in town killed her. Even if it was some sort of accident, anything you can think of will will help us. John thought to himself for a moment. I do remember one time I saw Blake. He's the butler. Yes, we we met him. Of course. I had to help him one day, help him remove Tadak Bor from the foyer of the manor. He wanted to see Greta about something, and I guess Blake had been instructed to turn him away. 
Talik wanted to see Greta, or was it your father, about something? If you want to get something to my father, you first have to get it past Greta. Had, I mean. I'm sure it was some scheme that Talik had. He has a new one every Luna's or so, it seems. Once I came into the room, Talik stopped trying to get past Blake and left. Anything else? How about the town itself? From what we've heard, you spend more time outside the manor than the rest of your family. Can you tell me anything that you have seen? Anything strange or out of place that might help? John Avedon stared at Aramis and looked for a moment into the eyes of Aaron, possibly searching for something. I don't want to get anyone in trouble here. One day I might be asked to become Lord over Avedon Hill if my brothers choose other paths. It was Aaron that spoke up. But someone here murdered Greta. You know that. John closed his eyes. I know. I can't believe it or understand it, but I know. There isn't really anything specific. You already have met some of the townspeople here. I could probably tell you something strange about almost everyone here. Well, does anything come to mind that might help us? John leaned over and spoke in a whisper. Jilly Hemming. She's the baker's daughter. Yes, we met the Hemmings, the baker and his wife, but not his daughter. She likes to go outside of town. She likes... she likes to burn things. Burn? I once saw her burning some dolls, or something that at one time could have been dolls. John paused and looked over to the young man that had taken over the cleaning of his horse. Sorry I'm whispering, but Shane over there really likes Jilly. I don't think she has taken much to him, but he keeps trying. Anything else? I know Jilly and Greta were friends, but not lately. Maybe Greta got too busy with her work as a housemistress. I know they were around the same age and spent a lot of time together before Greta moved here permanently and took up her duties. Friends are hard to keep close when you're in her position, I'm sure. Do you have any close friends here in town? John laughed. I have six horses here, four of them grozy and purebloods. They are my friends. And my brothers and sisters, of course. I have become friends with the new cleric, Father Livestan. He is much more open than our retired Father Joris, if you know what I mean. Yes, I think we do. What do you think of Father Joris? I've never had a problem with him. In fact, I've spent a few evenings in the town cemetery hearing him tell stories from his youth. He was an undead hunter, you know. Being a temple priest wasn't a good fit for him, and retirement suits him even less. Thank you, John. We will see each other again, soon. Good luck, Sir Cregan. Please let me know if you need anything. Thank you again. Aramis spoke to Lon Garrett, the farrier, while Aaron spoke to his apprentice, Shane. John took another of his horses and rode off towards the town gates. After that, Aramis and Aaron found themselves walking down the path back towards the center of town. Aramis had his notebook out, writing. So, what did you learn from young Shane? Aaron shifted his pack so it rested more comfortably on his shoulder. Olivet. Shane Olivet. He definitely likes the baker's daughter, wouldn't stop talking about her. I think he even wanted to read me a love poem he wrote her. Hmm, you could help him out with that. <laughs> oh, yes. I've spent a lot of time writing poetry, Master Aramis. What else? He apparently does most of the work around the stables. I told him to get used to it, as it is the lot of most apprentices I've found. Ha ha. What else? Aaron stopped joking. He claims to have seen Constable Tanner arguing with Lila the morning after Greta was murdered. He didn't know what it was about. Aramis scribbled furiously in his notebook. Anything else? 
Now, that was it. Shane looks to be the type of person that might remember more if the right questions were asked, though. I see. Lon Garrett wasn't much help, even though Constable Lewis stopped by and explained what we were doing. I got that he is loyal to the Avedon family and that he hopes we discover who committed the crime. The only piece that might be worth looking into is Greta's lunch activities. What do you mean? Greta liked to ride as well, as Constable Lewis told us. Lon said that she used to take her horse, Firefly, out at least three days a week for a midday meal, and she always took more food than one person could eat. Aaron nodded. So you think she was seeing someone here in town? Yes, I do. But no one else in Avedon Hill keeps horses at these stables, so he has no idea who she might have been meeting. Should I go back and ask Shane? Nah, the farrier would have known if it was someone that used these stables. Although I do know someone to ask when we get the chance. Your friend, Cletus. So now who's telling jokes? I still need to clean my boot of his spit. So where to next? Constable Lewis gave me a list of everyone in town that had any real contact with Greta Platt. If we continue... In a clockwise path, we should meet everyone that Lewis considered as possible suspects. We will start with the clothier. Tremaine, right? Yes, very good. Sarah Tremaine. Short time later, they found themselves walking through the door to the town's only real seamstress and clothier. Aramis was immediately impressed with the bolts of fabric that lined one of the walls of the main room. There were several dresses on mannequins in different areas of the main floor. One mannequin had a fine suit on display. The only problem he could see with the outfits was that there was no one in Avedon Hill, not even the Avedons, that he could imagine wearing such fine garments. He could only assume that she received orders from other places or sold garments to people or, or merchants that used the Olviarn Pass. It smells nice in here. Aramis didn't have to sniff to understand what Aaron was talking about. He could not see it, but the proprietor had to be burning incense somewhere. It was both soothing and relaxing. Aramis wondered if she had added anything else to the pot, as he was finding it hard to concentrate. Sirs, I bid you welcome to my shop and home. Earlier that day, they had visited the library at Avedon Hill and had met Lane Nichols. Aramis had felt an instant connection to the librarian based in part on their mutual love of books, and his attraction to her alabaster skin and intelligent eyes only strengthened this connection, but he was somewhat unprepared for meeting a woman such as Sarah Tremaine. Sarah Tremaine stood smiling in front of a counter. There was an open door behind the counter from which she must have entered. Sarah wore a dress that was both elegant and revealing at the same time. Her fire-red hair flowed around her neck and fell both in front of and behind her shoulders. Aramis found himself staring at her face, attempting to find someone or something to compare it to, but it was incomparable. There was a representation of one of the avatars of Aruna at a temple that came to mind, but it still was not Sarah Tremaine. Sarah continued to smile and waited for one of the two men to speak. Apparently, she was used to taking the breath away from men. She looked from the monk to his companion, and then back to the monk. Aaron looked over and saw that Aramis's jaw hung open at a somewhat unattractive angle, was going to say something to him, but then realized his own mouth hung open in the same embarrassing position. 
Aramis seemed to sense this at the same moment and closed his mouth. Aaron took the opportunity to seize control of the conversation. Miss Tremaine, my name is Aaron. Lord Avedon asked us to investigate the murder of Greta Platt. We have a few questions for you, if you don't mind. Aaron moved forward until he was standing before the seamstress, close enough to touch her if she asked, completely blocking Sarah from Aramis's view. Of course. Anything I can do to help. Thank you so much, Miss Tremaine. It, it is Miss Tremaine, isn't it? Aramis was surprised Aaron didn't follow with, I am the grandson of King Renoir Perti of you. Won't you come away with me? Aramis moved to his right, far enough to see Sarah's face, which was now blushing. Aramis was suddenly sure she had the ability to blush at will. He found it hard to keep his jaw from dropping open again when she began batting her eyelashes as well. The incense. Is the incense doing this, or is it just her? Yes, Aaron. Miss Tremaine is fine. Oh, good. I mean, I'm glad I called you by your proper name, I mean. Sarah Tremaine reached out and touched Aaron's arm. He stopped babbling. What is it you need to ask me, Sir Aaron? Aaron thought for a moment and almost looked over to Aramis for help, but he stopped himself. Miss Tremaine, where were you the night Greta Platt was killed? Sarah stopped smiling, but her face was still radiant. Oh my, do you already believe I was involved somehow? Aaron was suddenly aware of how dirty he felt. He ran his fingers through his hair in an attempt to straighten it. Oh, no, Miss Tremaine, we just need to ask this of everyone, to clear everyone we can up front. Sarah smiled once more. Sarah. C come again? Call me Sarah. Yes, yes, of, of course. Sarah took her hand away from Aaron's arm. Aaron instantly felt lost, but then she spoke. I was here, alone, I'm afraid. I live and work out of this building. I ate an early dinner at the inn, but as I understand it, Greta was killed later in the evening. I have no one that can vouch for my presence here, I'm afraid. Thank you, Miss Sarah. Did you know Greta well? She came here once or twice a month to check out fabrics. She never bought much, a plain dress once or twice a year. She was a beautiful girl, and I always wanted her to try new things. The neckline of her dresses were always too high for my taste. Aaron found it hard not to look at Sarah's bosom. He could swear his, his breathing matched hers. But then Aramis appeared beside him and the spell seemed to be broken for the moment. How does your business survive here, Miss Tremaine? Aramis nearly frowned at the tone of his voice. Sarah did not take the tone as harsh, though. Your garment needs mending, Sir Monk. As Gloria Platted earlier noted, Aramis's robes were tattered on one side. I will return with it once I have time to change. Aramis. Aramis Cragen. Sarah nodded at the introduction and then moved back to the monk's question. I do very well. I have sort of a reputation here. Merchants buy my fabrics and some of my dresses and resell them in other cities. The governor of tax uses my services, as do many in his court. But why do you stay here? Would you not do better in a more prosperous location? Possibly, but I love it here. I can do my job without distraction, without too many eyes watching over me. But I'm still on a good trade route, and believe me, people travel out of their way just to use my services. I believe you, Miss Tremaine. I do. And to the question of Greta, I really don't know of anyone that had a problem with Greta. She did her job well, got along with everyone that I know. I'm sorry I'm not more help. Aaron spoke up. No, thank you for your time. 
If you can think of anything, anything at all, please call on me. Uh, us. Oh, I will. And if you need anything, Sir Aaron, I'm here for you as well. Aramis recognized he had to get Aaron out of the shop. Good day to you, Miss Tremaine. Aramis didn't give Aaron an opportunity to say anything more. He pulled him out of the building by the arm. What did you do that for? There was a fire in Aaron's eyes. Breathe, Aaron. Breathe in the air. Then speak. Aaron saw the look in Aramis's face and did as he asked. He breathed in as Aramis pulled him further away from the shop, heading west down the main path. What do you feel? I feel lightheaded. No, worse than that. Oh, I'm getting a headache now. But your head is clearing, is it not? Aaron stopped walking. What What just happened? Is she, is she some sort of sorceress? No, I think not. She is as beautiful and alluring as you perceived her to be. I believe, however, she has filled her shop with some smells that heighten the mood, so to speak. She, she's a seamstress. What, what is she doing? Well, like many things here at Avedon Hill, Miss Tremaine appears to be a mystery. I did not sense anything particularly sinister about her, but she is not what she seems in more ways than one. I guess we will have to visit with her again at some point. Somewhere other than her shop, I hope. At least you held back from telling her who you are. I think I need a bath. <laughs> Let's keep going. I want to visit the blacksmith next. What's his name? Aramis finished writing in his notebook. Uh, Herr Jar. It seems, from these notes anyway, blacksmith was not a favorite of the constable. Let's see what he can tell us. The smithy was like most others Aramis had been in during his life. Herjar had a forge on the edge of his shop that he could use both inside and outside. Aramis knocked on the door of the smithy and entered the place of business. The blacksmith, unlike the smithy itself, was unlike any he had met before. Herjar had outworld blood in him. Surprised by the look of me, eh, Master Cragen? The hulk of a man was disfigured by more than the orcish blood from, most likely, his father. His face and shoulders held the scars from multiple beatings, Aramis assumed from a troubled childhood. Aramis smiled at the blacksmith. Well, that settles it. I am never going to pass as a simple traveler in Avedon Hill. Herjar made a guttural noise. <laughs> Only the smile on the blacksmith's face told Aramis it was a laugh. I was at the butcher's shop when I heard you had been given Constant. Con Constab. <sighs> what the hell is it? Constabulary powers. We have been given the task of discovering who murdered Greta Platt. Herjar brandished a great hammer he had been holding since his arrival. And find out who snatched her body. <sighs> that has already become common knowledge. Aramis shook his head. Let's begin again. Yes, Herjar, I am surprised by your look. Your father was an orc. Straight from the rift, I'd expect. My mother was raped by the monster and left for dead. She was a tough woman, though, my mum. She fought for her life, and then fought for mine when her village tried to take me from her. He pointed to his face. They were able to do this to me, but she kept me alive. Herjar <laughs> laughed his grumble of a laugh again. Broke the arm of the clan elder, too. So she told me later. 
So we left Inara and made our way south. Lord Avedon accepted my mum and me. Let us live here. And I trained under Lalsh Savanet, the last blacksmith. When he died twelve years ago, I took over. Herjar put the hammer down on a work table and sat down on a bench, which strained under his huge frame. Ah, where's your lackey? Aaron had remained outside to rest, his head still throbbing from whatever might have been in the incense at the clothier's shop. He's indisposed at the moment. Constable Lewis wrote you were here the night Greta Platt was murdered. Yeah, working on a sword for Lord Avedon. He's going to give it to his son Richard at some sort of party. Can someone confirm you were here that night? Confirm? I have an apprentice, Aldous Wink. He was here part of the night. But not all of it. I didn't do it, but I can't prove I didn't do it other than by telling you I didn't do it. Herjar leaned forward for emphasis. I didn't do it. Aramis nodded. Did you know of anyone that had a reason to hurt Greta Platt? Herjar shook his head from side to side. No, I don't know anyone that would have done this. Do you really think it was a vampire? I do not know, Herjar. If it was a vampire, it had to have access to the manor courtyard, and that is not an easy thing, unless someone here in town is a vampire. Herjar never stopped shaking his head. Vampires. They came through the rift, just like my bastard of a father, didn't they? Aramis shrugged. Originally, maybe. Many different creatures have entered Cairn through the Great Rift in northern Inara, or through other portals from Outworld. Some even think humans might have come through there as well. We certainly know the old races have been in Cairn much longer than us. Hmm. I had not heard that. I would like that. If my human blood came from the same place as my orc blood, that would be good. Herjar, just remember, it is not your blood that makes you who you are. Ha <laughs> ha! You are funny, Master Aramis! <laughs> Aramis wasn't sure Herjar understood what he meant, but the blacksmith seemed to be in a good mood, so he didn't say anything further. After informing Herjar he would return with more questions once he had them, Aramis let himself out of the shop. Aaron was just stretching, and seemed much more clear-headed. And how was Herjar? Not what I expected. He explained Herjar's history and story about that night. They proceeded north, and a short time later they stood in front of Avedon Hill's general store. This is Alex de Wirin. Let's Let's go in. The store was devoid of people as every other store had been. There was little need for shops to be open since travelers were not permitted to enter the town gates. But the general store was still open and Alex DeWarren was happy to have anyone enter his store. Good afternoon to you. I must assume you are Lord Avedon's investigators. Let me tell you, I hope you have need of some of my goods, investigators or not. Alex flashed an inviting smile. Aramis nodded. Right now, just some answers, but we will definitely need to stock up on provisions before we leave town. Alex rubbed his hands together. Fire away. What do you make of this? Aramis pulled out the piece of curved metal that had been found in the courtyard after Greta's murder. Alex took the metal piece and looked at it closely. He then turned around and walked through a door that was covered by a curtain. Aaron started forward to make sure he wasn't trying to run out the back door, but Aramis motioned for him to stop. Alex pushed the curtain aside and came back into the room. Piece of metal in one hand, 
and a tool of some sort in the other. It doesn't match exactly, but it sort of looks like this, don't you think? He held out a three-pronged gardening fork. The prongs did not match the broken piece of metal, but it did show that the piece could have come from a similar tool. Kel knows more about these types of tools, but this is what it made me think of. May I see it for a moment? And Alex DeWiren passed the fork to Aramis. He took out his notebook and opened it to a blank page, and then pressed the three points of the fork against the page and used his pen to mark the distance between them. Satisfied, Aramis handed the fork back to the shopkeeper. After a few more questions, the two men were back on the main road, heading back towards Avedon Hill. Are we going to find Kel? Not specifically. I think we have met almost everyone we can here in town, other than Jilly Hemming. Like you said earlier, the people at the manor had the most access to the courtyard. We need to speak to all of the manor help. And the other children? Hmm. John was easy enough to talk to, and we did not seem to upset him at all. Hopefully we can arrange meetings with the other Avedon children without offending Lord Avedon. Aaron looked up at the sky. The sun is beginning to set. Aramis smelled the air around them. Maybe Avedon Hill has more of a nightlife. Aaron smirked to himself. I doubt it. listening to Murder at Avedon Hill. Please visit pgholyfield.com for more information on this novel and the author. Most of the music in this podcast provided by Shira Common through magnitude.com. magnitude.com, they are not evil. Additional music generously provided by Kevin McLeod through incompetech.com. This podcast is copyright 2007. PG Holyfield and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 2.5 License.